So a few years ago, I learned that there is this Japanese TV show that's been been running for 30 years now uh, called My First Errand. And apparently, it's common for Japanese parents to send their kids out on a first errand at a very young age. So kids as young as uh, five or six are sent across town, uh, sometimes via public transportation, with instructions about what they are to do and what they are to bring home. And so the TV show places hidden cameras uh, along the route to track the kids' progress. According to a uh, 2015 article in The Atlantic about this show, the goal of this practice is to demonstrate not self-sufficiency, in fact, but group reliance. And it says that Japanese kids learn early on that ideally any member of the community can be called on to serve or help others. That sounds like a nice community to live in, doesn't it? I think that sometimes God will do this type of thing with his kids, if you understand me. God God will give us some sort of clear task, uh, not to foster self-sufficiency, but actually to demonstrate uh, God's sufficiency. And in the process of fulfilling the task, God might be out of sight for a time, but that doesn't mean that God is far off. And so the scripture says Jesus was led up by the Spirit, into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, and he fasted 40 days and 40 nights. And afterwards, he was famished. Jesus had just been anointed by the Holy Spirit at his baptism, and he had heard a voice speak from heaven saying, This is my Son, whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. And so Jesus, to say the least, had had a powerful experience of God. And sometimes... Uh, people who have experienced God in a powerful way can make the mistake of thinking that times of comfort and ease are ahead. After all, if you, you can't have a more powerful friend than God, can you? Shouldn't life be smooth sailing? Well, of course we know that that isn't frequently the case, is it? It's actually very common on the other side of a life-changing encounter with God that someone will find that they're facing profound new temptations. But we should be surprised because in advance of God's kingdom in someone's life can reasonably be expected to be met with a counterattack from, if you will, the kingdom of darkness. And so when Jesus begins his ministry, he'll be on the front lines of the battle between those two kingdoms facing the attacks of the enemy all day, every day. And so it seems like in preparation, the Spirit of God leads him into the wilderness to face the core temptations that would come his way. But Jesus' temptation in the wilderness is also more than that. You remember that Israel spent 40 years in the wilderness. And in Deuteronomy chapter 8, Moses reminds the people about their years in the desert. And he says, remember that long way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness in order to humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart? He humbled you by letting you hunger and then by feeding you with manna in order to make you understand that one does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Sound familiar? Israel spent 40 Years in the wilderness. Jesus spent 40 days. It's a representative amount. 
Jesus' fast represents Israel's time in the wilderness. And he'll face many of the same temptations. So, So let's look more closely at those. The first, we might say, is hunger. It says that he fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was famished. And the devil said, if you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. The hunger must have been awful after 40 days in the wilderness. When Israel got hungry in the wilderness, they grumbled against God. Uh, And so as we see Jesus in the wilderness, the question is, would Jesus require instant gratification at the end of his fast? Or would he trust God and trust God to provide? And so Jesus answered the devil, it is written, one does not live by bread alone. He's remembering the words of Deuteronomy 8. And I think Jesus understands exactly what's going on. I think he understands that his job is to succeed where Israel had failed. And the temptation for instant gratification, it's one of the greatest temptations that we face. It's something that our culture values and cultivates and enables. And obviously there are many benefits and conveniences of living in this digital age of instant gratification. But in the long run, living a life that's fed by instant gratification leads to despair. What we really need is a deeply dependent relationship with God combined with a knowledge of God's revealed word. Jesus had both. He walked with God and he knew his Bible. He was formed and and shaped by that life-giving relationship with God and with his word. And that's what we need to stand against temptation. Because when temptation comes, we, we don't usually have the desire, let's be honest, we don't have the desire or the means to, you know, go seek God and learn what's in his written word to discern the right path forward. A mind that hasn't been deliberately formed and renewed by God will always fall for the cheap instant gratification rather than choosing the difficult but faithful path. And so I want to offer that perhaps this Lent is a time for you to recommit to learning the scripture well. One very simple way to do this is using uh, the Bible app that I recommend called The Bible in One Year by Nicky Gumbel. It'll lead you through the Bible in a year, and he's got a very helpful commentary that goes along with it. And I've gotten good feedback from folks who have used that. The Bible in One Year commentary by Nicky Gumbel. The second temptation that Jesus faces has to do with testing God. It says, then the devil took him to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down for it's written, I'll I'll paraphrase, it's written, the angels are going to take care of you. You're not even going to stub your toe against a rock. You're going to be fine. And so after that, this is the part where we say to ourselves, oh, great, the the devil is a scripture quoter. (laughs) Uh, he's quoting Psalm 91, 11 through 12, to be precise. So from the first temptation, we know that it's necessary to know the Bible. But we're taught here that it's not enough to know the Bible. We, need, we, we can't fall into what the devil does, which is taking passages out of context. But even more than that, we need to be open to the leading of the Holy Spirit. The devil knows his scriptures, but he proof texts. He, he lifts texts out of context to provide proof for what he wants. 
And more importantly, he refuses to be led by the Holy Spirit. Jesus, too, knows Scripture. And he also sees how he himself fits into the grand narrative of Scripture. But most importantly, Jesus is led by the Holy Spirit. He can face temptation out of not only the knowledge, but the relationship. And say, you know, actually, devil... It says, don't put the Lord your God to the test. That's the right scripture for this moment. So we aren't to be people who test God. Uh, We don't come up with our own plans and say, oh God, oh God, would you bless this thing that I'm doing? We, We seek to discover God's plan, what God is already doing. And, and we come alongside that. And in doing that, we know that we're going to be blessed. Amazing things can happen when we come alongside what God is doing and are obedient to God. And so finally, Jesus' third temptation is that of idolatry or false worship. The devil, it says, took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to them, all these I will give to you if you fall down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Jesus' mission on earth is to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth, on earth as it is in heaven. And that means reclaiming territory that's currently under the control of the kingdom of darkness. And so if the king of darkness, if you will, himself surrenders some of his territory, if he just hands it over, that would be perfect. Great. But that's not what's on offer here. The devil is offering an exchange. He says, Jesus, no one will have to know. You just, you just worship me a little bit. Just right here, right now. I'll hand it all over to you. Think of the good you could do, Jesus, if you were ruling the world as king. I mean, you see the grain of truth in it. And Jesus, interestingly, he doesn't dispute the devil's power to do what he says. He says, no, devil, you can't deliver on that promise. Jesus knows that it's only by defeating the enemy, by his cross and resurrection, that God's mission for Jesus will be fulfilled. There are no shortcuts. And the end that the devil offers doesn't justify the means. Because the means of self-giving love in Jesus' cross is itself essential to the mission. The means matter. And so people who follow Jesus, we should never see that our ambitions happen by any means necessary. The means matter. And so Jesus says, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. It says, Then the devil left him, and and suddenly angels came and waited on him. So I don't know where you are today. I don't know what uh, temptations you've been facing. But God knows. And and I know that James chapter 4 verse 7 says, Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Jesus' wilderness encounter displays the truth of that. So don't let the devil make you doubt your identity in Christ. Strive for faithfulness rather than instant gratification. And perhaps, though, you're in a place where you've actually had so much defeat that you've given up resisting the devil. 
Lent is a season of the church where we face our temptation head on. It's like a spiritual reset time. It's a time to get back to the basics of the Christian life. Prayer, fasting, meditating on the scriptures, caring for the poor, and so on. And so my prayer for us today is that may you follow Jesus in devoting yourself to the grace-given practices of the faith. May you face your temptations head-on, resisting the devil. And as the devil flees, may you too find yourself ministered to by angels. In Jesus' name, amen.